What up, what up, what up, y'all? It's your girl, Simone, back at it with a new episode of the Real Talk with Simone podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys enjoyed my interview with actor Dominique Santana, who plays Suge Knight in the All Eyes on Me Tupac movie. I have a new episode with a new featured guest, Miss Terry Lomax. She's a blogger, speaker, and brand strategist. She works to empower women, especially women of color, and I loved hearing and talking with her. What I particularly loved about her her is that she was open and honest about her past, being physically and verbally abused by her mom, and then graduating with a master's degree and publishing her own book and starting her own company. And now she has started her own blog, Mocha Girls Pit Stop. It was just so great and an honor to speak with her. She gives a lot of advice, drops a lot of jewels. And I think that this interview comes at a right time. I'm pretty sure a lot of you guys have seen the videos surfaced of Maia Campbell, the actress Maia Campbell, and her mental illness that she has and how she's struggling with that along with drug abuse and it was really sad to see to see another black woman go through that and it was really sad to see that the videos were circulating on social media as if it was something funny as if it was something that we should watch for entertainment um this sister is really going through a lot and she really needs help and shout out to LL Cool J for trying to reach out to her we all need to reach out to her in some way somehow people in general that we know have this problem this is a serious um issue and I think Terry Lomax did a great job speaking on that in terms of emotional health and mental health and I really appreciated that she was able to talk about that because I feel like sometimes that topic is so taboo in the black community specifically and so I think she touched on that very well and I just hope that this interview touches someone and touches someone's spirit and inspires others to think about these issues that she is going to refer during the interview and I hope you guys enjoyed the interview and our discussion thank you so much Tay, for joining us for the real talk with Simone podcast. So how did you get involved in the career of helping others with building their brand and social media presence? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, And the funny thing is I actually kind of got started, let's see, I kind of started when I was in grad school and I kind of fell into this path, I want to say, because I was Mm -hmm. kind of at a point where I call this my quarter life crisis. I was around, you know, around 23 or so, close to 25, and it was a quarter-life crisis for me because I was kind of at this place in life where I had followed the advice that everyone gave me, right? I went to school, I got good grades, I got a good job, and when I was in this job and in grad school, I was just like, you know what? I'm not feeling it. Like, something is missing. I want to do more. I want to have an impact on the world. I want to be able to see the work that I'm doing and see the impact that I'm having on my community and those around me. And so my first thought was, you know what, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to go ahead and write a book and tell my life story because, you know, I'm this little black girl from Philly. I went through so much, and I was in grad school, which was a great accomplishment, you know, in and of itself, just being in the place, you know. And Mm -hmm. so when I thought out um, resources on writing a book and, you know, I went to conferences and everything, and it was just so daunting. It seemed like such a big task. I didn't know where to start. I didn't have the confidence. So I, you know, did my research online and consulted with my BSS Google, and I found this thing called a blog. And I was like, hmm, a blog, this thing is much easier than a book. Let me see what this is all about. And so fast forward five years, it's been five years now, you know, since I started the blog, and the journey has been um, extremely rewarding, very fulfilling. And after starting the blog, I kind of 
you know, I realized the importance of branding and social media, and I've just learned so much over the course of this journey. Um, I gained more followers, and my brand really took off around year three for me. So I was kind of grinding out, and it felt like my work wasn't being seen, but it took about three years for me to gain some traction, and that's kind of how I started uh, working in the field of social media and branding, I guess you could say. Right, right. And you discuss how, you know, you grew up in Philly and you've been through a lot. I actually have friends from Philly from college. Can you d- explain or discuss what it was like growing up in Philly? I'm originally from Harlem, New York, so can you discuss that? Okay, yeah, absolutely. You know what's kind of funny? So I was born in Philly, but I was raised for about 10 years of my life from about age 2 to age 12 in San Diego, California. So mm. I kind of my friends have coined it, and they're like, oh, you're bi-coastal, you're from both coasts. And I really don't, I really think that my experience in San Diego was so impactful, and it, I think it really did shape me as a person because I grew up in such a diverse environment. And I think those 10 years uh, really, I think over the course of those 10 years, I had so many values that were ingrained in me. So I kind of, you know, kind of became or, or kind of had these qualities that would make me who I am one day. But I ended up moving back to Philly um, in middle school, and it was a culture shock, girl. I came from this very, this predominantly white area. You know, I spoke like a valley girl, you know, and my family was teased because they were like, you sound white. And by the way, I absolutely dislike when people say that because it really does undermine our community. But anyway, (laughs) I won't go off on a tangent there. But, yes, I moved to Philly in middle school, and it was a culture shock. I, you know, I looked like everyone else around me you know, being in this predominantly, this now predominantly black school, but I didn't speak like everyone. I didn't, I didn't wear the same clothes that everyone wore. And so it was definitely a culture shock. But as far as some of the things that I went through, I grew up in an abusive household where my mom was physically and verbally abusive, and she was also in and out of jail. And so my dad had to kind of hold it down and take care of my siblings and I. And so as you can imagine, as a single father, you know, we struggled financially. And so we ended up homeless. We lived in shelters with family and friends and hotels. It was really rough. It was definitely a really uh, rough upbringing, for sure. Mm-hmm. And how did you, you know, get through that? Because, on, you know, on your blog, on your website, you discuss, you know, your past and your childhood, and you even discuss further now with me. So how did you basically work through all of that? Because I know it's a healing process, and for many I would say black girls and black people in general, sometimes I feel like we don't know how to heal from our wounds from the past. And how, and how did you get through that? You know what? I will say I think when I was actually going through the abuse and I was, you know, in this dysfunctional household, I I really numbed myself. I, I took on a lot of different coping mechanisms that that I found later that weren't as healthy as an adult, but they worked for me as a child. So I was very good at masking my emotions and kind of numbing myself and not feeling because I think that if I would have felt everything at the degree at which it was given to me, I probably would not have survived. I was definitely, you know, suicidal as a child, and it was just a lot. It was a very heavy burden for me. But I think that um, church was really important. I was very, my family was very religious, very involved in church, and I think just attending different church activities and being under 
a pastor who really spoke life into the congregation. I think that really helped me. I was also an avid journaler. I love to journal and write, and that was my therapy. And so I think even as a little kid, I would write down just what was going on in my life because I didn't really feel comfortable speaking to anyone else about what was going on in the household because I didn't want to get in trouble. And I didn't know what the consequence what the consequences would be if I was to tell someone that, you know, I'm being abused and this is what's going on in the household. So journaling, that was really important for me in church. And I think the older I got, I realized that, you know, solitude and just sharing my story and, you know, just being honest with myself about what happened, you know, I think those were some things that really allowed me to really overcome and just cope with the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it takes a lot, you know. And so you discussed, you know, how you had the full-time job, the two degrees, you were doing well in school, but you, you didn't feel like you weren't doing enough. You wanted to see results in what you, in what you were doing and have something impactful. What made you take that final leap of faith and pursue that passion? Because I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who work, you know, a nine-to-five job, but it's not what they really want to do. But I think mm-hmm. they're just scared to take that, that leap of faith. What, what spurred you to just go ahead and, and, and do it? Yeah, sure thing, Simone. I want to address something you said really quickly, and that's about not feeling like I was enough or did enough, because I think that's so important because it's funny. I have friends who didn't have a chance to, you know, go to college or finish their degrees, and they would look at me and they would see this, this beacon of hope in this successful person. But even though I graduated and overcame and I was doing things that other people thought was you know, other people thought I was successful and they thought these things were great. I didn't feel like I was enough and I didn't feel successful. And I think sometimes when you are, I think sometimes we're, many of us are hard on ourselves in general. And I think if you're an ambitious person and a perfectionist like me, it's just never enough. You may accomplish something and then it's like, okay, cool, I did it. What's the next thing? And so I think for me, you know, struggling with low self-esteem and depression, I just never felt enough. I didn't really love myself. And so I think there was a deeper issue at that point as to why I didn't feel enough. And I think that kind of, I think some of that is because I did not know how to validate myself or what should validate me as a person. So I thought that it was based on you know, what I accomplished or, you know, the impact I had or, you know, how many likes I got on a post or, you know, how many people told me I was great at something. So I think I had some displaced value at that point. But as far as just like taking the leap of faith and pursuing my true passion, um, you know, I want to say it really started when I was in college and I was a senior in college and I one of my, my supervisors told me about the opportunity to apply as the commencement speaker for graduation. Now, mind you, I have done speaking in church, you know, pretty much all my life. And even though I spoke in church, I was always very nervous. I was a very, I, I suffered from stage fright. And I remember, like, going up in front of the audience and I would just shake and I would get, you know, get that little fog in my throat and I felt like I was going to mm-hmm. cry. And it was just really, really stressful. I get butterflies. And so when my supervisor told me that, I could, you know, apply to be the commencement speaker. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I was scared, but there was something in me that said, oh, no, you've got, you've got to do this, girl. Like, you've got to do this because I'm this, you know, this little black girl from Philly. Again, that's, that's, that's me, this little black girl from Philly who overcame adversity, 
who is now about to get her bachelor's degree at a predominantly white institution. And so I was thinking to myself, how amazing would that be for me to be the commencement speaker and to show other black girls and other black youth that, hey, you can do this. You can do anything you put your mind to. And so I told myself that if I were to be chosen to be the commencement speaker, if I were chosen and I, and I did a really good job on that speech, I would go forth and I would try to pursue this career as a motivational speaker because I mm-hmm. felt that if I were to do that and I were to accomplish that, I would be proving to myself that I could do it. And so I've, I've always been very scary and I get, you know, overly, I get overwhelmed very easily. And so I told myself, if I do this, I'll pursue this career. And I did it. And it was one of the best days of my life. It was one of the biggest speeches of my career. I spoke in front of, I believe it was like maybe around 3,000 people at graduation. And once I successfully accomplished that, I told myself, all right, let's do it. If you can speak in front of 3,000 people, you can surely speak to a group of 30 or 300. And so after that moment, that's when I started to really go forth and look for opportunities to start my career as a speaker. Right. And so, you know, you started your blog, and that's called Mocha Girls Pit Stop, correct? Yes, Mm ma'am. Yes. And so what were some of the challenges of starting your own blog and brand, and how did you overcome those challenges? Mm, That's a really good question. Well, first I would say I faced so many challenges over the course of this five-year journey. Um, There were, you know, I lost family members. My mom was incarcerated. Uh, I had some just family struggles that were going on, but I would say that there were three main challenges that kind of stood out to me. And the first would be struggling with technology. When I first started blogging, I did not know anything about what a blog was. I had no frame of reference. This, you know, though I was good with computers, blogging was just a different beast. And so there was a huge learning curve there. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any guidance. And so I think for me, uh, that was definitely a big struggle because I had to figure it out. I didn't have a lot of resources. I didn't have a lot of money. I was a broke college student on a tight budget. And so I had to find free resources. I had to make a lot of mistakes. I had to learn via trial and error. And so I think that was one of the biggest challenges because at times, you know, if we don't know how to do something sometimes, that can just totally discourage us from even moving forward and and, and going forth in the journey because we, we use that as an excuse, you know, like, oh, I don't know how to do it. I don't have the resources. I don't have a mentor. I don't have the money. But right. the Internet opens up so many doors for us, and there are so many opportunities out there to get free information. And Google and YouTube became my best friends. And so, you know, as far as struggling with tech, I broke my website so many times. I was up until 3, 4, 5 in the morning trying to get things right on the blog. So that was, those were just some of the technology struggles. And I would say I overcame it by just not giving up. You know, when I broke my website and it was just done, I, you know, I called up my my web host provider and I'm like, well, you know, I broke my site. Can you help me? And I would just take notes on these different processes. And it was very frustrating. And I think if we can just kind of push ourselves past the point that we would normally stop, we will be successful. It's all just like a numbers game. You've got to just keep on trying, keep on trying, keep on trying. And when you fail, you've got to just keep on getting back up. And I know it sounds redundant. It sounds cliche because we hear that all, all the time, right? So when it's like, you know, first you don't succeed, try again. But it's like you right. really have to do it in the midst right. of you falling and being, you know, on the ground by yourself. And so that was one of the struggles there. I think mm-hmm. the, the second struggle was battling with depression 
you know, growing up in this abusive household, struggling with low self-esteem and depression, that was just a part of my life, and I struggled with that for as long as I can remember. And I think one of my fears when starting the blog was, you know, I don't know, like, am I going to be able to commit to this? Am I going to be able to be consistent, you know, with this blog? Because I know how I know how this this depression works with me. And so some days I'll be on cloud nine, everything will be cool, and then sometimes a dark cloud just stops by and visits me, and I'm just like, okay, I just got to deal with it. And so I was trying to figure out how am I going to inspire women of color? How am I going to to be an inspiration for them if I'm not always positive. I'm not always, you know, I'm not always on the right track. I make mistakes. I get depressed. And so I kind of battled within myself about that, like, man, am I qualified to do this? Because I still fall. I still get depressed. And as far as overcoming this obstacle, I think what I learned over the course of this journey is you do not have to be perfect. You do not have to be a perfect person to inspire other people. And I've learned that, you know, I've, I've speak about my depression on the blog, and I'm very transparent about it. And I have to admit, I was apprehensive in the beginning because I'm like, people are going to judge me. They're going to think, you know, what is this girl doing? You know, she's depressed and she's trying to motivate people. But honestly, my community, my community, they rallied behind me and they were supportive and they could relate. And I feel like if you want to truly inspire others, people relate to real people. So just be real. Be yourself. Be your authentic self, and people will gravitate towards you, and they'll they'll relate to you. Mhm, mhm. And you know, you discussed at first how you were apprehensive to broadcast or discuss your depression um, because mm-hmm. you felt like people would judge you. Uh, a recent conversation that I've seen on social media and through radio and, and, and journalism in general, what I've seen in the media is basically how sometimes depression is so taboo in, like, the black community. Like, it's like mm-hmm. it's an unknown thing to our community. So did you encounter that? Do you, do you see that? And, and why do you think that exists if you do think it exists? Um, I think there's definitely a negative stigma around mental health in our community, and I think it just kind of ties back. I think it's just a historical, um, I don't know, just kind of this historical norm that's kind of been the case with us, and I think that we have this, you know, as black people in America, there's this expectation for us to be strong and to keep it together and to, you know, have it all together and to just, you know, pray about it, you know, pray the depression away or pray the bad moves away. And I think that for a long time we viewed depression and therapy and those kind of things, we kind of viewed that as like a white people thing, you know, which is totally erroneous, you know what I mean? And so I think um, that is the case. It has been the case in our community, but I think that we're coming to a point where people are becoming more conscious, people are becoming more aware, and people are open, black people specifically, are open to having the conversation about mental health. And that's something that I touch on on the blog as well, you know, just highlighting, you know, depression and different, different mental illnesses, um, you know, bipolar disorder, which is something my mom struggles with, and I've interviewed a woman on my blog about that. And so that's something that I definitely want to focus more on because mm-hmm. there are people struggling. And, and I know that for me when I struggle with my, you know, my experiences and, you know, depression and things like that, I felt like I was the only one. And so I think when we do, you know, share these stories and we are courageous enough to, highlight our experiences, we liberate others and we give them 
the hope that they need and we give them the inspiration they need and let them know that they aren't alone. So I think it's important for us to address that, but I think you're absolutely right. That definitely is a stigma that has been, um, that has plagued our community. Mm-hmm. And so with your blog and your brand and your social media presence, what is the best, I guess, what is the best thing or the best result that you get that continue, that basically motivates you to continue to keep going? Like when you wake up in the morning, what is what motivates you and, and what what joy do you get out of your career? Mm, that's a really good question. Hmm, let's see. I think one I will say this has evolved over time. So in the beginning, it was one thing, and now it's, you know, it continues to evolve as I evolve as a woman. But I would mm-hmm. say right now, the thing that motivates me most about, you know, this, this platform and this blog that I have, Mocha Girls Stop, is the ability to just inspire black women and women of color, black and brown women, you know, just inspire us to become our best selves because we need it, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't think that, the world that we live in, especially being in America. I don't think that the system, um, the system wasn't created for us to succeed. And so I think it's important for us to continue to share narratives of successful black women and to share transparent stories of the struggles that we go through, but then also how other women have overcome them so that we can kind of use that as a blueprint. So I think that's one thing that excites me is having this platform, this this place where women can go to, you know, even if I'm not around, let's say I'm, you know, I'm sleeping in on a Saturday, this blog is up and women can go to this blog and find resources to empower them. And I think the second thing that inspires me is the feedback that I get from the community. This, you know, this movement, this blog has women from all around the globe who follow it. And so I get emails, you know, from women just thanking me for the content and thanking me for my transparency. And I save all those emails. They're extremely inspiring to me because, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, there are days when I'm, uh, you know, I'm human. Life is busy. I'm overwhelmed. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. I don't even know, like, where, where am I going with this blog? And I see one of these emails, and it just, you know, it gives me what I need, that extra push to just keep on going. And so I think the feedback from the community is really important as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so for people who struggle to get their brand and their name out there, what would be your biggest advice to them? Hmm. I would say the biggest piece of advice for someone who's trying to get their brand or their name out there would be to really I'm, – I'm really big on reflection and just like awareness, self-awareness and like knowing mm-hmm. who you are. And because I think that if you can figure out who you are, like who are you really and what do you represent – and then how can you add value to your target market or the people you want to serve? I feel like once you have those, those, a really good sense of those three, I feel like you can, one, you have a very strong foundation, and you'll know what sets you apart from other people. So when you see, like for me, when I see another black woman who has a blog, I don't look at it as a threat because I know who I am, I know what I represent, and I know how I'm providing value uniquely to my community, right? And so I know that we all have, a separate, a different footprint and a different um, niche and a different mission. So I think once you have a good grasp on what you bring, your unique, what I like to call a secret sauce, from there, then you just go out and you find your people and you be great. So you figure out who you're serving and where they hang out online and you, you know, promote your, your content to them and just always be providing value. I think it all boils down to providing value. I know when I started blogging, um, I was, you know, I, I sought out different mentors, and I, 
I, I looked up a lot of different research, and there was a general consensus that I got, and that was this is going to take a lot of work. This is not going to be an overnight thing where you just put up a blog and you blow up. Though that happens in very, um, like in very few cases, it, did, it was not the case for me. I had to put in a lot of work, and I had to grind out. So I think focusing on the value you provide and not so much as you know, making money or blowing up and becoming this big-time, high-profile blogger. If you have your, 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 your priorities in order, I want to say, and I think the number one priority should always be providing value to those that you want to serve because if you provide value, people are going to come back. Like you are going to blow up. It's just a matter of time. But you have to be consistent. You have to provide that value. And so that's the advice that I would give anyone who wants to grow their brand and get their name out there. Right. And any future plans for your brand? Where can we look forward to see you in the next couple of years so that we can continue to follow you? Yes, absolutely. So I, I would definitely say if you want to follow the Mocha Girls Pit Stop journey and the Terry Lomax brand, you can definitely connect with me on social media at Terry Lomax, and that's at T-E-R-R-I. L-O-M-A-X, and I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also visit CherryLomax.com for branding, blogging, and social media resources. And I would say as far as just the future plans, I just really want to create a solid resource that can live on and live beyond me and that can really just have a legacy of empowerment and hope for black women. And so that's what I'd like my blog to be. And Further down the line, I'd love to get more involved in the community and create programs for young people because I really do believe that the youth are our leaders of tomorrow. And so we have to educate the youth and show them to young people because they'll be, you know, they'll be our next president. They'll be the people representing us one day. And so that's the long-term goal somewhere down the line, absolutely. Yes, I can't wait to look forward to what you do. Everybody follow her Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Terry Lomax. I will be posting it on my Instagram and tagging her as well so everybody can follow. Thank you so much, Ms. Terry, for giving us your time and speaking with me for the podcast. It means a lot. Thank you so much for having me, Simone.